tell you the story one time about this mitzvah. Genesis 
says that God said, let us make man in our own Something for everybody to think about. This is your home. Certainly, see what God would do. I, I think, and then theologically, for the last minutes, I think we need to take every single person that God has created and throughout the entire history of mankind and take all of us that are living right now, and now we're approaching the end of time. It takes all of us to truly represent the image of God. So, all on that one for a little while. So, the rest of that. Not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Okay? So if you're a Gentile, we expect you to walk against God. We expect you to walk in, again, it says the vanity of your mind. And what's vanity? Emptiness. Vainness, right? So do we want to walk in a vain mind? No. 
verse 18, it says, having your understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And so again, Paul's talking about the heart condition, is that if you're ignorant of who God is, your heart's going to be empty, your heart's going to be lacking, and you're blinded to the things that God wants to do. Verse 19, it says, you've become calloused. Yeah, past feeling, giving themselves over to lasciviousness and to all unclean works. So in verse 19, it says, we start practicing impurities if we don't have the love of God, if we have not had that transformed mind. And again, that's what the world will do. Um, Verse 29, but you have not learned Christ, if so be you've heard of him. And so if you've never heard of Christ, can we expect you to have a heart that's turned towards him? So each one of you has a responsibility that the things that Christ has done for you, the things that Christ has taught you, it's now your responsibility to share that with other people. Because if nobody ever preaches or teaches the gospel to the world, can we expect them to hear it? Okay, they're not going to go seeking it sometimes. Sometimes it takes that, you know, Damascus Road experience where Paul was heading to Damascus to do what he thought was the work of God. He was going to persecute Christians and bring them back to bring them under trial for preaching a gospel that was contrary to the synagogue. was blind, God brought him sight back so that he could see and do the things that he was instructed to do. And verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, the old ways, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So you have to put off your old man, which goes back to 12.1, Romans 12.1. It says, offer yourself a living sacrifice. So if you offer the old man, the old desires, the old ways on the altar, you become a new creation. You become a new creature in God's kingdom and his plan. And so we have to do that living sacrifice. And then verse 22, that you have put off the former things. Okay, excuse me, verse 23 and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. goes right back to that. Again, Romans 12, 2, we have to conform to, to not conform to the world. We have to be transformed in our mind. And Paul restates it again here in Ephesians 4. You must be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's how we attain the image of Christ. That's how we transform into that living creation that now can go and make a difference in the world. Because in my own power... What can I do? Can I part the Red Sea? Can Rich Van Houten part the Red Sea? Okay, can I cast out demons as Rich Van Houten? What about raising the dead? Okay, in my own power, I can do very little. But in the transformed power and image of Christ, what can I do? I can preach the gospel. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can raise the dead if God instructs me to. 
I can resist temptations. I can cast down strongholds. I can be transformed into the image of Christ. And that's what it's about. Um, one thing I want to just make a point of clarification is when we're talking about struggling, we're talking about working, we're talking about doing things to be transformed into the image of Christ, you do not earn your salvation that way. Okay, let me be very clear about that. Salvation is not something that you can earn. It's not something I can work that the more people I preach the gospel to is I become more saved. Okay, salvation is a gift of Christ that I either accept it or I don't. Okay, once I've accepted the salvation of Christ that I've been redeemed from the sins that I've committed, now he expects me to grow up. Because one of the terms that we use quite often is what? A newborn Christian. Okay, and are all the babies out of here? Are there any babies I can borrow right now? Okay. All right. Say, so if I were to take that little you know, handful of baby right there, present them to you and say, what's his, what's his name? RJ. RJ. Okay. RJ is a relatively newborn baby over there. And I set RJ on the stage here. How's he going to do? Okay. We're not going to feed him. We're not going to clean him up. He's on his own, right? Okay. Is that what you do with a newborn baby? No. You hold them. You take care of them. You protect them. You love them. You nurture them. Okay. When you, I don't care how old your physical age was, when you first became newborn, did God just leave you sitting on the steps saying, you know, figure it out. Hope you can grow up. Okay. Does he do that? Or does he surround you with a body of people that will love you and help you grow up into a mature Christian? Okay. If you think you can do it on your own, you're going to have more struggles than he intended. A lot of the struggles that we bring on ourselves are because we think we can figure it out on our own. Because we don't need help from other Christians. That we're, we've got this. Okay? And I'll admit that was one of my problems. I first accepted Christ when I was 23 years old. So I'd grown up heathen, done it relatively well, I guess. Had a lot of things to repent of. But when I became a Christian at 23 years old, I didn't think I needed to plug into a church didn't need to come alongside other believers. It's like, well, I've done things on my own for most of my life. You know, I was a little bit of a you know, lone wolf rogue in that way. Um, figured my Christian walk would be the same thing. Just keep doing it. I'll figure it out. You know, we'll muddle through this thing. That's not what God intends. God intends us to surround and protect us while we're baby Christians. Because there's a lot of stupid things we can do as a Christian. And especially as a baby Christian, if you don't understand all of the wiles of the enemy is he's going to be attacking. I mean, again, if we take that newborn little, again, we call him a newborn, even though he has an RJ over there, and set him over there, there's enemies out there that are going to try and destroy him. Because Satan does not want him growing up to be a man of God. You know, what did he do with Christ when Christ was born? Tried to destroy him. Because he knew if he could destroy the Christ as a baby, then God's plan was gone. Okay. God's smarter than Satan, very obviously. So his plan was not thwarted by Satan. But we have to know that, that you know, part of the struggles are because Satan doesn't want, does not want us to grow up. He doesn't want us to be transformed in the image of Christ. Because the more like Christ I become, the more like Christ you become, 
the more danger there is to the kingdom of darkness. The more hope people will have when they see a church, when they see a human rising up in the knowledge and the admonition of Christ and proclaiming the good news. Because the world is looking for something. The world is out there confused. They're out there, you know, dying. They're lost. They're looking for something to give them hope. And that's what the church is supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to be. That as I go about my normal job, is I'm supposed to be portraying the image of Christ. And so if I'm not doing that, people are going to say, well, aren't you a Christian? It's like, well, you don't act any differently than I do. So if I'm conformed to the world and I'm talking just like them, if I'm acting just like them, they see no need to be a Christian. But it's when we transform into the image of Christ, when we can overcome temptation, when we can resist the devil, that's when people get hope that the same struggles I overcame, you can overcome also because of the power of Christ in me and in you. How do people know when you've spent time with Christ or time in the presence of the Father? Continence changes, okay. The aroma of Christ, I think someone said, okay. There's just something about us that's different. Okay, attitude, attitude should change. Transforming the mind and the one thing said, you know, the disposition of the mind changes. Um, one of the, again, obvious examples, of, again, we'll go back to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 29, if you want to look it up at some point, but Exodus 34 is this was Moses had led the people out of Israel. They were in the wilderness and he'd gone up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments from the law from God. And the people were down, again, being stupid, like they do when the leader's gone. And Moses spent a long time up on Mount Sinai. How long did he spend up there? Forty days. And it said that when he came down off the mountain, what was different about him? Okay, he wasn't radioactive, he was God-active. God it said he actually shone that there was a light that emanated from him, and it actually freaked the people out. Okay, that because they did not know the experience of being in God's presence, they said, stay away from us. You know, they said that whatever happened to you up there, we don't understand and we don't want it. And it said that Moses actually veiled himself. He put a covering over himself because the people couldn't stand the presence of God. Okay? Let that sink in for a minute. That God had led them out. He had done the ten plagues in Egypt. He had parted the Red Sea and they'd passed through it. And they still could not comprehend the presence of God and how they needed it to be able to continue on with the life that he was trying to lead them in. So there is sometimes a very obvious difference in your continence, in your appearance, in just how you think and act when you spend time with Christ. So transformation, you know, that we're talking about, there's so many different ways that you see it. You know, as we've been talking about it these last few weeks, I've seen transformation in so many different ways that, you know, never really thought about. Um, one of the simplest ones that's, you know, maybe a little, a little silly, is how many of you take a piece of bread and just slap some peanut butter on the morning and eat it like that? Okay. Most of you, maybe, maybe not most of you, you put it in the toaster and all of a sudden it's transformed into something you want for breakfast. Okay, is that true? I mean, just take a piece of plain white bread, throw some peanut butter on. For some reason, it doesn't seem right in the morning. 
but you put it in the toaster, you transform it into a dried out piece of bread, and all of a sudden it's something better, okay? But transformation also um, can happen when you look at the story of Jesus and the disciples, is Jesus had been ministering all day long, and they got in the boat and they were going to sail to the other side, okay? And what happened that time? Okay, a big storm came up, and it had to have been a big storm because the men that he was with were primarily fishermen, right? So you think they'd spent a couple days on the lake prior to this? Okay, they'd probably spent, in, in some cases, their entire lives or most of their lives out on the lake, and they were familiar with storms. They were familiar with the ways of the water. But yet this storm, something about this storm made them fearful of their life. They were afraid they were going to die. So this wasn't just your normal, average, you know, springtime storm. This was something that had them fearful. What was Jesus doing? He's taking a nap. Okay, he was tired. And they were so fearful that they woke him up and said, Lord, save us. And what did Jesus do? He transformed the storm into calm. And one of the songs um, by one of the Christian artists, I can't remember who it is right now, but it says sometimes he calms the storm. Okay, other times he calms the child. The storm can continue raging on around you, but he calms you instead. Yeah. So that's the power of Christ, and that's what we're, what we're needing to lean into. So, so we need to be transformed. And just a couple questions I want to pose to you as we close up here this morning is, why do you want to be transformed? Well, actually, let me stop. Who in here wants to be transformed into the image of Christ? I actually want to see a show of hands. If you want to be transformed into the image of Christ... Take some action. Put your hand up. All right? Why do you want to be transformed in the image of Christ? Okay. Represent Christ to the world. Okay. A lot of good reasons we want to be transformed in the image of Christ, right? Because I said before, in my power, I can't do a whole lot. I'm very limited. Okay? In the power of Christ, being transformed in his image, I can cast out demons. I can preach salvation. I can do things that this world needs. And that's the kind of lead into the next question is why do I need to be transformed? Difference between want and need, especially those of you who have children, there's a big difference between wants and needs, right? Why do I need to be transformed into the image of Christ? Why? Okay, so I can do all things in Christ. But I hit on it just a little bit ago, is the world's dying. The world's lost. It's confused. It doesn't know the truth. And so as I become transformed more and more into the image of Christ, I'm going to have a boldness, like Steve said earlier. There's going to be a boldness that comes on to you that you're going to proclaim the gospel of Christ no matter who's around you, no matter what the situation looks like. Because if someone is dying, they don't care how you rescue them. If someone's floundering out in the sea, they don't care if you use a fancy life buoy or if you grab them by the hair and yank them out of the water. They want to be saved. Some people, like that darkness. Some people are so encased in the darkness, yeah, that they don't understand that their own need for salvation. But if we're not presenting the gospel, if we're not living life as a Christian, they're not seeing anything. They're just seeing the rest of the world dying with them. That's why we have to be transformed because, like I said at the beginning, we've been talking about transformation for three weeks. 
none of you are transformed because we talk about it. Okay? You have to take action. You have to spend time with Christ and allow him to transform you into his image. It's not just a snap of the fingers like we would, you know, would like it to be. It requires our effort to come into his presence day after day, day after day. So the body of Christ that we represent, a part of the body of Christ right here in Russell, Pennsylvania, praise fellowship that we call ourselves. The world needs the body of Christ to be transformed into the image. Not because this is what we do on Sunday mornings. You know, we gather together, we say hello to each other, and we you know, get to know each other a little bit better. But as the body of Christ, the more that this body is, me as an individual, Scott, Lou, you know, Jolene, all of you in here, that the more time you spend with Christ, the more time you allow yourself to be transformed in his image, this body is going to become more influential. It's going to become more powerful in drawing people into the light. You know, like Diane said, that some people love the darkness. And unfortunately, that's true, that they've been become so accustomed to it, so reliant on it, that they don't think they want the light. And so if we continue shuttering ourselves in, not allowing our light to shine, it's not going to push back the darkness. So people need, and I'm, I'm going to stress that, people need us to become more like Christ. Otherwise, they're just going to continue dying and going in the direction they're already headed. So the only thing that redeemed me from hell where I deserve to be is I heard the word of God preached. And I accepted that I'm a sinner and that I needed to ask Christ to forgive me. You know, the cross sitting up there. Sometimes we make the cross too nice. I mean, that one's a little rougher than a lot of them. But you see some crosses that people have displayed. They're really nice and polished and fancy looking. Jesus didn't die on a nice cross. He died on a cross that was rugged and tore his back up even more than it already was. So as we approach Easter, Resurrection Sunday, um, we need to hear more about that, that it was not an easy death. It's like that transformation I talked about earlier. What Christ did on the cross and prior to that was not easy. It was a struggle. It was something that he battled to get to that point. He did it willingly, but what he did made my transformation easier. Just like becoming Papa, I didn't have to do a whole lot of the work initially. Christ did it all. He did the salvation work that I needed on that cross. And so once that has been accomplished, he now asked me to grow up in him. And that's spending time in his word, spending time you know, allowing him to transform our minds and changing our hearts it's all about the heart so the body needs to become that the body of Christ we need to become that living vessel that is inviting to people that if somebody walks through those doors next Sunday and you know let's say they're suicidal that they've given up all hope and this is their last stop before they go and commit suicide are we going to be that body that's going to welcome them in even though we don't know their story are we going to welcome them and say glad you're here what can we do for you not just you know be superficial and say glad you're here have a seat see you next week it's got to be more than that it's got to be more that we have to give a little bit of ourselves to reach those that need to hear what God's doing for us and in us so and just a short plug um, I'm also the leader of the education department that we have here next Tuesday or this Tuesday 23rd two days from now we're starting the ISIM classes 
which is International School of Ministry. And it's one of the best things we have to consistently disciple yourself, to spend time in the Word, to spend time with other believers in a small group setting. So if you're interested in that at all, um, there's a sign-up sheet on the back table there, or you can come find me and ask me a little more, some questions about it. But it's a 10-week program that's about discipling. It's about learning more of the Word of God and also getting to know some of the other people that are walking this out with you. Because as we get to know each other, you know, all of you know my name now, right? Everybody remember my name? Yeah. Cover it up so you can't see it. <laughs> Papa, yeah. Okay. So now you've got to you've got to start on becoming my friend. Okay. Is if you never knew my name, you know, it's the guy that gets up there every now and then on Sunday and talks. But because you actually know my name, you have an opportunity to walk up to me and say, "Hey, Rich," and then I have to try and figure out your name if I don't already know it. But it's a start. It has to start somewhere, and being open and willing to reach out to other people is what we have to do. Is Christ did that. He set the example is that he walked it out. He spent time with sinners, you know, and he was rebuked for it. He was, you know, said, why are you eating with sinners? It's like, they're the ones that need me, you know? Because if sinners weren't in the world, Christ's job is done. But we all know that there's still sin in the world. We know that there's sin in the church and we have to be transformed. We have to allow that transformation because there is so much more that he wants us to do. So we want to become that place where people can come and encounter Christ, find out the reality of being transformed into his image, because that's where the victory is. Yeah. If salvation was the only purpose God had was to get us saved into his kingdom, the day that that happened, he would have just taken you into his kingdom. His purpose is for us to remain here and save other lives, to be an example of what the love of Christ looks like in a person in a body. So each one of us, that's your responsibility. That's your purpose for still being here today. If God only wanted to get you saved, there'd be no reason for the church to be here because the day you got saved, you'd be like Enoch. You walk no more on earth. You'd be translated into heaven, okay? That's not his purpose. His purpose is for us to remain in this world, to be salt and light to a dark and starving world. So that's your purpose. If anybody ever wanted to you know, ask that question, why am I here? That's why you're here, is to serve God with your whole heart, your whole body and your whole mind. Offer yourself a living sacrifice, have your mind transformed into the image of Christ and the knowledge of Christ, and it's gonna get into your heart. And that's where the true change occurs. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving it these thousands of years that we can still read it so we can still look into it and find truth. And we know that the truth will set us free. Knowing the truth is what will set us free. And the truth is Jesus. So Lord, take the words that have been spoken, your words that have been spoken out of the Bible and just drive them deep into our hearts that it will change us. It will give us hope that the things that we're going through in our lives, the struggles that are happening right now, that they have a purpose, that they're making us stronger, that they're building our faith, that we will not just fall back into our old ways, that we'll not allow the cares of the world and the, the storms that come up to knock us down and stay there, that we'll rise up in your power and your strength, 
knowing that you have a plan and a purpose for however many days we have left on this earth. And then we'll take each day and we will make the, the not the best of it, but we'll make the God best of it. Yeah. That we'll ask you, what, Lord, do you want me to do today? We'll, we won't just go through a routine day, but we'll look at every opportunity and those that come into our path that they need to see the love of Christ and that we will allow it to come out of us. We'll allow it to be shown in us in ways that we've never thought possible before. So in your holy name, in Christ's name we pray, amen. So go and be blessed. Enjoy the sunshine. Take a few minutes and go around and introduce yourself to a few people that you have not introduced yourselves to before. And we'll see you next Sunday.